Uh, like I said, if you open your Bibles to Luke 2, I'm guessing you, can, you know what we're going to talk about this morning, which makes it uh, difficult. We've been going through Psalm 23 in our ABF class, and um, this, I really like the approach that he's given with just trying to a familiar passage that um, to make sure we don't just jump over it, but hopefully that'll be the same thing this morning. I'm just going to read, um, starting in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 20. So Luke 2, starting in chapter 1, and I am reading from um, the Holman Christian Standard, HCSB, which is probably a little different than maybe what you have, um, but it's pretty, it's a good translation in, nonetheless. And so it says in verse 1, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Curinius was governor of Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough, because there was no room for them at the lodging place. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, a Savior, who is Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. Now let's pray before we jump into uh, the message. Heavenly Father, uh, we just ask um, for your spirit to open hearts and minds to the truth of your word, um, and that we would um, not be... Um, lazy or uh, just unattentive to the familiarity of the story, um, but realize that you are a good God um, who has done great things for us. And so we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so when I was, uh, I was trying to figure out how old I was, I was think um, it's nice that I have kids like a wide range of span and I kind of think like, yeah, I think I was about that old. <laughs> 10 to 12, now that I've got kids about that age, I can't remember maybe what I was going on around that time. Um, it was just me and I have a brother four years older than me. They were, we were the only ones left in the house at that time. And in Montana, there's this, I'm pretty sure it's called uh, Lewis and Clark Caverns. It's a, 
Um, it's just like a, a cave that you can walk in as a tourist and explore, a lot like what you see in Rapid City if you've been um, to the Black Hills. But I remember going in there, and uh, I don't really appreciate small spaces, especially dark places, um, all that well. But I, it was I'm, to me, I, once you get in there, the, just the, the craziness of, you know, that there's these caves and giant caves. You walk into some that are, you know, huge, the size of this room, and then you go through you know, passageways that are smaller and into other caves and to think that somebody crazy enough to actually go in there with just a flashlight and some light on their own and try to figure out that you can actually get in these and there's a path and um, you can come out in a totally different spot just blows my mind um, that there's people crazy enough to do that. Um, But uh, we got to tour this and they, um, probably similar to a lot of things, if you've been to one of these, uh, they take you to kind of the lowest spot, um, and they turn off all the lights, um, right? And it just becomes pitch black. Um, and if you've ever been in that, it's, I mean, it's different than anything you'll ever experience outside of a cave. There's no darkness outside of a cave that can explain or be the same experience. I mean, you can literally put your hand um, in front of your face, and you, there's, you cannot see it. There's, there's no light at all. You're several, you know, 100 feet down in the ground with no light around you. Um, But the crazy thing is, and obviously they turn the lights back on, but if you were to light a simple candle in the midst of that darkness, um, you would be able to see a lot, a lot more than you would think with maybe even just a simple lighter. And we see, um, we're kind of focusing on this morning, uh, the light that we see in this story and uh, we don't often look at the world around us through spiritual eyes. Uh, it's just not a, a common practice, at least not for me. And especially as an American, um, I would say Western mindset, with all of the blessings that we have um, materially and, and just the things around us, I think they can blind us from uh, the, the spiritual realm and the spiritual darkness that is all around us that we don't see and we we know from reading the bible that sin and satan have ravaged our world and because of um, that there is chaos there's hurt there's pain there's war um, and even death and um, you could read genesis 1 1 i don't know if you've ever thought of it this way kind of as a description really of what we are experiencing now in the spiritual world Uh, It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now the earth, the world, was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, first thing, let there be light. And there was light. And I think if we had eyes to see, uh, we would see the darkness around us, Um, but the fact that God has brought light into the world, much like the very first thing that was surprising to me as I studied for um, this morning, that should be reminded that the very first thing that God says and creates, in a sense, is light to bring order to the chaos and the darkness of the world. So as we go back to the story in Luke 2 that we just heard, I want you to and try to imagine uh, this scene in your mind. I know it's very familiar. You could read it over and over and over and over again. 
Um, and, but just try to picture it in your mind. Um, it's amazing. Um, Lorena and the artists have done an awesome job, I think, this uh, Advent season um, using art to try to help us see uh, the truths of the gospel in a different way. So as we look back at the story, um, as you see the shepherds, the angels, the baby in the manger, um, and as you picture that, I want you to try to picture that, keep in your mind, um, the back of your mind, that this is God's invasion of light into the world. Um, Piercing um, the darkness is God coming to us in a baby. Um, And we're going to kind of, the first seven verses are um, kind of familiar. I'm not going to jump into those a lot, uh, or we're not going to study those deeply. It's just the account of Jesus' birth. It focuses on why Bethlehem, how they got there, and um, kind of the humility of um, the humbleness of the whole situation, of the the Savior being born in a manger in a small town, in the sense in the middle of nowhere. Um, and as we get to um, the main focus of our text this morning, verse 8, and the story of the shepherds, um, we see um, in verses 8 and 9, it says, you know, in the same region, uh, close to Bethlehem, there are shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Um, I was a, a, an awesome dis- depiction of uh, the angel this morning. I never even would have ever thought to make that colorful, right? But why not, right? Uh, but it's just this explosion of light. And as you um, try to imagine this scene in your head, your shepherds, um, and you can't see the picture of Paul, but you remember what he looked like last week, um, out in a pasture, um, and it's this nighttime, so it's, you know, maybe the stars are out, maybe they're not, maybe it's cloudy, it's cooler. Um, you know, not all of the shepherds are probably going to be awake. You don't need every single one of them to watch over. Maybe um, one of them is awake. He's trying to keep his eyes open as he gets through the night. Maybe he's by a fire because it might be a little chillier. Um, maybe, you know, they've had, a lot of times they had the sheep in a pen. You know, we see that imagery later in the New Testament. Um, maybe he's walking around the pen or wherever the sheep are at to make sure that there's no thieves that are coming in, there's no predators coming in. And just, I mean, a normal night for him, but out of that, bam, like we have, see this picture. I mean, just imagine this picture just going, exploding. And you have this explosion of light. And the light doesn't actually come from the angel, right? The light comes from God's glory. And we sang about it this morning, the Gloria, glory of God. Um, one of the commentaries defined it as the splendor associated with God's perceptible presence. It reminded me of Exodus 34, Moses. He's on the mountain talking to God. He's getting the Ten Commandments. He comes down and his face is visibly shining, different from being in the presence of God. Um, and actually the same response in Exodus as we see the shepherds here terrified. They're like, what in the world is going on? As a side note, if you see anybody who, or somebody ever says they've seen an angel um, and they weren't terrified, they probably didn't see an angel. Every single time you see 
angels coming to people, they're terrified. They're afraid because of um, God's glory and that presence that we see around them. And so um, we see because God, God is like that, we, I mean, there's light imagery is throughout the entire Bible. You, you can go from Genesis to Revelation, Revelation and see that light is a very important theme, light and darkness in the Bible, and that it represents a lot of different things. Um, and with God's presence displaying this light, uh, we see, you know, Psalms 104.2, that he wraps himself in light as with a garment, as a picture of the fact that he is holy, he is perfect, he is blameless. There's nothing wrong with him. He has never sinned. Um, and uh, when we see that and we realize that, um, it's obvious that, I mean, if you were there with the shepherds or you were one of them, your response would have been the exact same thing. You and I would have been terrified. Um, not because I don't think necessarily that we're afraid and that the angels are these scary-looking beings, um, but the fact is that you would be in the presence of God. The holiness of God, when recognized in light of who you are and the things that I've done and the consequences of my sin in the presence of God, the only response is to be terrified apart from salvation. And so we see that there's, there's just several different responses that we're going to look at from the shepherds in these verses to the light. And this first response is fear, rightly so. Um, a human, in the presence of a holy, righteous, blameless God, um, think of Isaiah, woe is me. He thought he was dead. He, he thought he was, that was the end of him when he came into the presence of God. Um, and that's what we see in our, a typical response to uh, light. Uh, I think of, um, made me think of a, um, something that might, maybe this has never been your experience with the fearing light, but um, when those red and blue lights come on in your rear view mirror, be, if you've been speeding or doing something, my response usually is a little bit of fear, right? And anxiousness. Um, and in a similar way, that is our response to the righteousness and the holiness of God because of the wrong things that we have done, because of the consequence of our sin. But thankfully, God doesn't leave us in that position. I mean, he could, he could leave us there. He, that's because of who he is and because of what we've done. He could leave us there, but he doesn't. And he goes on in verse 10. It says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Um, so he's, he doesn't leave us in that state of fear. He brings the good news. That's what the angels are doing. Um, that one word um, translates most of those several words in our English where it says, mine says, I proclaim to you the good news. 
is one word in the original language, euangelizo, um, I think is how you say it, and that's where we get our word evangelize. Like these angels are bringing us the good news that God is providing a way for us to be made right with him. The savior of the world that he has promised from um, really the beginning of creation after Adam and Eve's sin, that he will make this right. And then to Abraham and to David and all throughout the Old Testament that people have been waiting for um, is finally here. God has brought into the physical world a savior. So you see the second response that the shepherds have to this light is anticipation. These, right as soon as the angels leave, they're like, we got to go. We got to go figure out. We got to go find this um, baby this, to, make sure, to see what has happened, which the Lord has been made known to us. Um, I was thinking of a, a picture in our day and age, similar to if you are lost in the woods at night and you're, it's out and it's dark. Um, there's no stars, there's no moon, and you come through, uh, you, you start to get out of those woods, and maybe you see a light of a house out in the distance, and you're like, oh, finally, that anticipation, like, I'm not lost forever. There is hope. There is something, um, there's a chance that I'm actually going to get out of this and not be left in this dark place. So God doesn't leave us in that position of fear, but his light pierces the darkness of our sinful soul with the good news of Jesus. Um, and so even though we are still surrounded by darkness, of the darkness of evil in our world, maybe there's difficult circumstances or even death, there is anticipation that things will be better all because of Jesus, because of the Savior of the world um, coming to us. God is faithful to his promises. The birth of Jesus proves that, okay? He, it may have taken longer than we, they expected, but the birth of Jesus is one proof that God is faithful to his promise. And the same we can hold on to that in our day and age, even though difficult circumstances or hard things are here, um, that there will be a day, maybe not in this lifetime, um, that God will bring about peace, will bring about um, that uh, uh, the light will pierce through that dark situation and he will make things right. So the second, that response from the shepherds is the anticipation. And the third response is in the last few verses, verses 16 to 20. When they hurried off, they found Mary and Joseph, the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds returned, it says in verse 20, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. Um, they found it just like they said. The, the sign was that they would find a baby in the, in the manger. They found it. I don't know how long it took them, but they found it. Just like they said to prove that the message, the other part of the message that God gave them was also true. And so we, we see that the third response to the light that the shepherds have is joy, praise, and thanksgiving because of what God has done for them. They, they may not realize fully in the moment um, that this is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, uh, but they recognize that God has done something special, um, and the, the light that he has given them and the revelation that he has given them through that light um, is true. When you grasp the good news of the Savior 
it will lead to joy, praise, and thanksgiving. What he has done for us is indescribable. He paid a debt we could never pay, and he gives us more than we could ever deserve. Um, the story continues in Luke 2. If you, um, I'm going to skip down to uh, the last part of or verses 30, 29 to 35. If you see um, about a month later, uh, after the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, they have to go to the temple to provide some sacrifices to, uh, that were typical after birth and because he was the firstborn son. Um, and they meet a man. It's just an amazing story of Simeon. Simeon, it, led by the Holy Spirit, um, he's been given uh, a, a... God has told him that he will not die before he sees the Savior of the world. And led by the Holy Spirit, he comes into the temple at exactly the same time as Mary and Joseph um, because God is fulfilling his promise to Simeon. And he sees the baby Jesus, and it says in verse 28 that Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said... Now, Master, you can dismiss your slave in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. Um, but we also see, see transitions from this joyous, amazing thing that God has done by bringing the light of the world into our physical world um, that he is the savior, that baby sitting there in the manger was the savior, even though he had not done what he needed to do yet. And Simeon foretells that um, in the rest of the verses. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and told his mother, Mary, indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Um, so even in the birth of Jesus, it leads to the cross that Jesus has to go to. That was his whole purpose, why he had to come to the world in the first place. To be um, the Savior, he had to take the punishment and the penalty of our sin. And as I was studying for um, this message and trying to just asking and pleading with God, what do, you, what do I need to share? Um, the phrase that kept coming back to me is just tell the story of Jesus. And that was like, huh, I think that's a song. Um, and this wasn't the song that necessarily I was thinking of, but this is also one that, just if, that we've been led to. And in your hymnal, there's this, an old hymn called Tell Me the Story of Jesus. In the first verse, it says, Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story, most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. Glory to God in the highest, peace in good tidings to earth. But the third verse, it says, Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they laid him. Tell how he liveth again. Love in that story so tender, clearer than ever I see. Stay, let me weep while you whisper. Love paid the ransom for me. The baby that was in the manger that night was the light of the world. 
the Savior. It was on Jesus even says it later, John 8. I am the light of the world. So how are you responding to that light? Is the question this Christmas. Some of you, it may be fear because of who God is and who you know you are. Um, but the amazing thing is, is you don't have to stay there. He has provided a way through that baby that went to the cross uh, for you to be made right with him. Um, and if you need to know more about that, if you've never done that, um, find somebody before you leave today. They can move you from fear to anticipation and joy and thanksgiving. Um, and that's the whole reason for this story. It's not just a story. It's the Son of God who came down. Um, we posted a quote on Facebook, I forgot to mention it earlier, that there's thousands of times throughout the history of the world that a baby has become a king. Uh, but there's been only once that a king has become a baby. And that was all for you and for me um, to be our savior, to provide a way for us to be made right with God, to live in joy and thanksgiving and praise back to him, just like the shepherds. So as you go this Christmas season, we hope that it's joy. We want you to, this is an amazing time of what God has done for us through the life of Jesus, starting this Christmas through the birth of a baby. It's just amazing. It's so awesome what he's done for us. We hope that you go in joy and thanksgiving and praise for the light that God has brought to the world for you this Christmas season. So Merry Christmas. We hope you have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.